do not give up. If you really believe in what you're doing and what your mission is and what your heart is here to say, then don't don't stop because your mission and your vision is so much bigger than you can even imagine. So you can't even see how big of an impact you will have, your craft, your art, your healing, your teaching, your idea, your product will have on millions of people. This is Rosie Acosta. Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. Welcome back to Woke and Wired. I'm your host, Xenia Avdulova, and I'm very excited to welcome you back. Or maybe just welcome you because you're new here. This is a place where we talk about entrepreneurship, spirituality, expansion, personal growth, intuition, and digital well-being. Speaking of digital, I am so excited to share with you that in less than two weeks, I am going nomadic, starting in Argentina. I am planning to travel for over six months because our tiny cabin is not set up for winter. So we just decided to go wherever our hearts are leading us. And first of all, it's going to be Argentina, and then we're completely open. I will see where the universe guides me and how all of that impacts my business because I am shifting up my business to create new revenue streams expand some of the current revenue streams. And I keep getting this intuitive hit that it's time for me to do more in-person experiences. So I would love to hear from you because my agenda is completely open. As long as there's enough people in a particular town who want an experience, then I can make it happen. Some of the places I'm particularly drawn to are Australia, New Zealand, and probably Italy. I also have a feeling I will end up in Costa Rica, but TBD. So what kind of experiences can I offer you? I would love to know. Shoot me a DM at Ksenia.Avdulova or at Woke and Wired. Those are both me. And tell me, do you want cacao ceremonies? Do you want intuitive entrepreneurship workshops? Do you want worksheets that will guide you through creating an aligned and powerful online presence using social media and Instagram in particular? Or do you want meditations and visualizations and just circles where people come together and share from the heart and support each other through whatever it is that you're going through as an entrepreneur, as a human? Tell me everything. Please DM me at Ksenia.Avdulova or at Woken Wired and tell me where you want to see me. If you know spaces that feel aligned, Or maybe you have your own space where you can host events. Let me know. As the excitement for being nomadic is percolating, I am also getting a little anxious about what the hell am I going to bring for six months? What about all my beauty devices and all my sneakers? I have a pretty minimal wardrobe ever since we moved into the tiny home. But when it comes to superfoods and beauty products, I have to learn how to be minimal. But I'll be honest with you, it's been getting so cold here upstate, we're in the western Catskills, that I'm getting ready to get out. All the leaves are falling, the garden has almost come to an end every day, I think it's the end, but then I find more tomatoes and basil. 
I'm excited to go to the warm places in the world and also go back to being nomadic. Last time I went nomadic was in 2016 when I traveled for about seven months. I went to Bali and Brazil, Russia, and I drove across a lot of the U.S. states and I did it all by myself. I did it solo. So if you want to hear me talk about that journey and what I learned from it, head over to my friend Allie Tate Cutler's podcast, The Love You Give. Shout out to Allie Tate. She is Victoria's Secret first plus size model in the world. Changing the paradigm, changing the standards, redefining beauty everywhere. So proud of you, Allie Tate. And so honored to have been interviewed on your podcast to share about travel and crystals and digital branding. If you haven't heard that interview, go over and check it out. I'm going to link it in the show notes as well. The podcast is called The Love You Give. All right, speaking of love, my guest today is Rosie Acosta, who hosts the Radically Loved Radio podcast. I met Rosie as we both were leading workshops at the Lead with Love event in Aspen last fall. She was giving a workshop on podcasting. And I was giving a workshop about conscious social media for change makers. And for me, it was love at first sight. Rosie really has something very special, brutally raw and honest about her. And just her presence alone makes you more present. So who's Rosie? She's a world-renowned yoga and meditation teacher, actually world-renowned. She's been on the cover of the Yoga Journal magazine and traveled around the country with them which we talk about in this episode about how she ended up touring around the country doing yoga and what she loves most. Rosie's also a yoga teacher training and holistic health coach. She is the founder of Radically Love, Yoga Health and Wellness, and host of the top-rated iTunes podcast. Rosie grew up in LA surrounded by gangs, drug use, and violence. She overcame the prospect of prison through yoga and meditation and is extremely effective at using those tools to help others access their potential and overcome adversity. It is her driving belief that we all are born with limitless potential and that we all have a place in this world and that it's part of our journey to be radically curious, radically inspired, and radically loved. Acosta has a diverse client list ranging from Olympic, NFL, and NBA athletes to at-risk youth and Afghanistan veterans. She is a featured teacher for Yoga Journal and Wanderlust, a featured speaker of She Recovers, and has also been featured in Yoga Journal, Fox News, Latino, Mantra, Mind Body Green, Well and Good, Evolve, Pop Sugar, and many other publications. In this episode, we talk about trusting your own unique medicine and gifts in the world. She opens up about the financial side of being a yoga teacher and why Rosie, after a lot of years of teaching, still continues to choose to teach yoga. How she manifested really big opportunities through teaching yoga. Yes, it's possible. And the top three pieces of business advice for conscious entrepreneurs from someone who is truly successful as a yoga teacher and at the same time juggles it with many other projects and sort of arms of her business. We talk about finding balance between strategy and flow as an entrepreneur. Rosie shares with me her relationship with social media 
And we talk about how if you're someone who wants to create digital offerings as part of your business, part of your medicine to the world and your potential clients, then you don't have to follow a specific formula. There's always a way to do it that feels aligned and authentic for you. All right, enjoying not just the words that Rosie shares in this interview, but also her presence. My intention for you is to feel radically present, radically loved, and radically curious by the end of this podcast because that's how I felt. Because that's exactly what Rosie brings to every conversation I've had with her. If you enjoy this episode and this show, I would really appreciate it if you take a moment to go and leave a rating and review to the podcast on the iTunes app and share it with a friend. Or take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and share it on Instagram stories. And remember to tag at Woke and Wired. I love seeing your takeaways and I love reposting it to grow our collective community of expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship in this magnificent, abundant digital age. All right, here is Rosie Acosta. Please enjoy. All right, Rosie and I, we have overcome tech difficulties. We both just reset our routers. It's so funny when you're a podcaster, internet becomes just such a an important piece of everything you do that once, in my case, because I live in a tiny house in the middle of a forest, if there's fog or rain or anything like that, there's high chances of it not working and you just never know. But I'm so happy we made it work. And I'm so happy to have you here, Rosie. My conversation with you on your podcast on Radically Loved was hands down one of my all-time favorites. I just really loved the depth and the container you created for the conversation. So my intention is to uh, create an awesome experience for you as well, as well as for the listeners. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. Okay, Rosie. So... Your Instagram profile says a lot of different things, and I'm always so fascinating to talk to fellow multi-passionate entrepreneurs like yourself. What it says, and if you guys want to follow along, it's Rosie Acosta, public figure, yoga and meditation teacher, LA native, hashtag vegan, in New York Post, Yoga Journal, and Huffington Post, host, headphones emoji, radically loved radio and VP Wellness Programming at Vital Neuro. So what do you actually do when you wake up on a day-to-day basis? Okay, so most of the time when I wake up in the morning, I have to, you know, kind of regather all of my all of my titles <laughs> and kind of restructure how I dedicate time to each one of those things because they're all very important to my daily life and what I do. And so obviously yoga and meditation take the majority of my time because it's what I've been doing for the last 10 years. And so that as my main focus has created all of the different opportunities. You know, I started teaching yoga and actually I've been a vegan on and off for the last 15 years. So that I should say is the first, first thing (laughs) that I am and do, you know, through yoga I was able to find the desire to want to reach more people and share my message. And that's what incited the creation of the Radically Loved radio podcast. 
And through that, I've been able to connect with so many incredible people as you know, I'm sure you can relate. And that allowed me to connect with the people over at Vital Neuro to work together. And, you know, obviously through doing yoga is, is where I have been fortunate enough to gain recognition from big publications like Yoga Journal, Huffington Post, New York Post, you know, and, and all these different platforms that I've been able to teach at or communicate through. And so that's how it all comes together. You know, it's kind of hard too, you know, to be able to like put all those things. It's like, well, so what do you actually do? Which one do you actually focus your energy on? Right. And by the way, what's Vital Neuro? Vital Neuro is a mobile neuroscience-based stress reduction service designed and built for companies to, you know, big corporations, people that need anti-stress or stress reduction to help build real-time monitoring for personal bio signals. And I'm doing like air quotes because obviously this is a lot of stuff that I've learned just as being a meditation guide and learning about the brain function and how all these types of practices help create a more sustainable life and healthier life, happier life. And so that's what Vital Neuro is. And it was created by these two really incredibly incredibly gifted, like, I don't even know how to describe Cameron and Alex. They're the co-founders of Vital Neuro, and they're curating this incredible team. Cameron Fallopore, as the founder and chief science officer, he's like a licensed clinical psychologist, neuroscience, neuroscientist. He's had over 20 years of experience and product experience, neurophysiology, and, and so on. And Alex Doman is the CEO of Advanced Brain Technologies, co-founder of Sleep Genius, and he's done these really incredible speaking engagements. He, he has a really incredible TED Talk that you should actually see because it's really incredible how he speaks to the importance of brain function and how we can utilize sound to sort of reverse engineer stress signals to the brain to put us in a more calm stress reduced state. And so obviously these are all very like sciency type of <laughs> processes that like my my brain literally like has sometimes a hard time like really getting into because it's just so much information and the brain is one of these complex structures that I think we're still learning about and finding out about. But to me being able to be in alignment with this company was really important because I wanted to see how what I do can help impact what they're wanting to create for this health and wellness industry. This is not a full-time job, is it? This is one of the things that you're juggling. Yes, it's one of the things that I'm juggling. That's correct. And that's a great assessment. And I find it fascinating because a lot of the people that I come across in the wellness world, in the mindfulness world, they did yoga teacher trainings at some point, maybe even became yoga teachers for some time. I actually did a yoga teacher training myself. A lot of them down the line realized, okay, well, this is not how I want to live my life running around all day from class to class and barely making a living. And so a lot of people I know, they step away from being a yoga teacher to choose either full-time careers in totally other areas or in wellness, but also doing something else that's more desk-related or creative. 
And it's interesting that throughout all these years, no matter what you do, what else you do, you still have stayed a yoga teacher. I'm so curious to hear about that journey and why you're so committed to continuing teaching. Well, yeah, you know, it's so funny that you speak to the financial aspect. I think it's huge because people don't talk about it. Like, it's not easy, you know, teaching. I mean, I did that. I did the circuit. I did the teaching 19 classes a week, you know, to like pay all, all of my bills and to be able to pay rent and to be able to sustain my life. And it is definitely not sustainable. That that form of income is is rough, you know, unless you own a yoga studio, or if you're doing teacher trainings, or that kind of thing, where to me, it's a little bit of a paradox at times, you know, because now you see a lot of teachers creating teacher training programs that are doing it because then they know that that's another revenue stream and they start to treat it like such as opposed to it being a transformative experience that you're leading people through. So it's a slippery slope, you know, it was really challenging for me in the beginning, but I stuck with it. I come from a school of thought of putting the time in. And I think that what happens and people get discouraged, that's why a lot of people go into teacher training with stars in their eyes, which they should have. But I think that the reality sets in and, and they start to really think about the sustainability of teaching that many classes. And to be honest, my belief on this is that it's about like paying teachers what they're worth. And it's not that I think, oh, there's too many teachers trying to teach classes at $20 a piece or whatever. I think it's a matter of like people really valuing what these people are bringing in for their students, these people meaning yoga teachers, I think that it's a job that's completely undervalued. And I really think that if more studios valued their teachers, that they would have less turnover rate. You know what I mean? Right. And it's like this thing that needs to happen, it seems on a systematic level, because if one studio raises its rates, all the people probably majority of people will just go to other studios. So it's something that seems to need to be addressed in a much bigger level. Yeah. And and the thing about it is like yoga is so beneficial. And look, everybody knows how beneficial having a practice, a daily practice can be. And I think that it's a trickle down effect, right? Because if the studios are paying the teachers more then they need to make more money and they're trying to compete with the million other yoga studios that are around the same, you know, in the same block in the same city. So you know, it's it's just a matter, for me, it's always been a matter of providing value and being able to provide something of substance as opposed to it's about quality over quantity. So I think that, and that goes for anything and everything. You know, the, the yoga studio that has the best teachers, that is treating their teachers the best, that is treating their students, their communities the best, are always going to garner higher results. So for me, the way I've seen it, and that's just to go back to your original question about how I do it all, you know, I think it's that same type of sentiment. You know, I, I don't put energy into things that I don't see happening for a, a long term. You know, like I, I can't, succumb to the quick fix or like the get get rich quick schemes, you know, or doing something because I'm like, oh, if I do this teacher training, you know, I can make X amount of dollars. So I have to just sign up as many people as possible. You know, I go into at it 
from a from a different perspective. It's like how many of these people are actually looking for a deep level of transformation? Right. And you know, I believe that every yoga teacher goes to teach with the intention to be of that kind of service, or I hope so. But then, like you mentioned, you know, finances might get in the way, uh, fatigue might get in the way, and it's a matter of choosing your priorities and perhaps supplementing it with other projects. Tell me about your journey from, you know, you mentioned that being a yoga teacher was the thing that opened up the pathways for you to be featured in all these big publications and all these big opportunities. That doesn't happen to every yoga teacher. So how did it happen for you? And did you, was that something you were manifesting or did it kind of just happen more and more the more you stepped into your path? I think that yes to everything you said. (laughs) It was, I think, all three. I think that it definitely had a lot to do with my level of tenacity. And I was a little bit younger back then. And so my, I didn't get discouraged easily. I think things have changed now in, in the course of 10 years, you know, where I get, you know, a no for something and it just breaks my heart. And I'm just like, I can't do this anymore, you know. But I think back then, it was a lot easier to be able to just persevere and continue to gain opportunities and network with people and just teach as many classes as I could and actually put the time in, you know, you get these new teachers that graduated teacher training, and they want to be on the cover of yoga journal, like in a month. And that just it doesn't work that way. It doesn't happen that way. And I'm, I'm glad that it doesn't because I think that for every single teacher out there, there, it, there's a process. We have to be patient. You know, there is a level of skill that is grown from being patient and from being able to put the time in. I'm so grateful for my experience. I think I've, I've said it in a podcast before. I think it was Kerwin Ray where I said from the moment that I started, that I quit my job because I started teaching, like I did a teacher training and I still kept my job, I think two years after the fact. And I would just teach one class a week, you know? And after when I came to a place in my life where I decided like, I just really wanted to to focus on teaching full time was the worst possible time to do it. It was during the recession. The housing market was was crashing and people were not spending money on, doing things, you know, so like my one or two private clients that I had, had stopped because, you know, they they didn't have the extra money to pay me to come to their home, right? It's still a first world problem. But still, like, had a a moment of clarity with my job at the time, you know, and and I quit my job at the worst possible time, like I should have coulda, shoulda, woulda, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I get a lot of new teachers that come to me. They're like, I want to quit my job and just teach yoga full time. I'm like, eh, why don't you wait? <laughs> like, why don't you just do it on the side? Like teach one class a week, teach two classes a week and see how you like it. Because the other thing that I think happens is people have a really uh, lack of self-efficacy. We go into something thinking that it's something and it sometimes turns out to be something else. You know, in the beginning, like I loved teaching. I loved teaching so much, but then it started to affect my practice. And there was a moment in time where I became really resentful of yoga because now I would go teach 20 classes a week. So, so I quit my job and I threw myself fully into teaching full time. And I, I was teaching in LA at different studios and doing the circuit and meeting students and, and just trying to like 
create a, a living doing it. And and obviously, like I was getting paid, I think like 20 or $30 for a class. So pretty typical, right? Yeah, typical. And I had to quit a job where I was making six figures, you know, so definitely was hurting. Wait, what was the job? I was a, a personal assistant to a celebrity fitness trainer. And putting all of my energy and focus into what I wanted to create became the next vision. And so yeah, just going back to your point, I started to vision board it and create, you know, different lists. And I started to go to self help workshops and entrepreneurial workshops. And I started to sign up for conferences, because I just wanted to learn as much as I could about being an entrepreneur. And I think that this is where yoga teacher training falls short. And is something that I talk about in my trainings all the time, because yoga teacher training is just that it's a yoga teacher training, the idea is to design or to facilitate information to teach people how to become teachers in a very safe, and efficient way. But it's not business school. They don't teach you how to market yourself or how to network, how to work with other affiliates, how to find out what your niche is, all of those things that you would learn. I mean, I went to college for for business marketing. So I had that going for me. You know, I had the background of being somebody who studied. And prior to that, I worked at a hair salon. I managed two high-end hair salons. So I already knew how to run a business, you know, in my early 20s, mid 20s. So I think that for me, what gave me that edge was knowing that I knew how to market, I knew how to run a business, I just needed to learn how to do it for yoga, which to be honest, it wasn't that difficult to do. You know, it just took a certain level of Uh, focus and dedication to learn how to do it in this industry. Wow. So even though times change, the way that yoga business work may have shifted, entrepreneurial landscape may have shifted. I'm curious if you were to just top of mind, share three strategies or tips or mindsets that you rely on when it comes to entrepreneurship, what would they be? Well, the first one is to never lose your practice. Your practice is like your why. A lot of the times, especially yoga teachers, they start teaching and they stop practicing because they're teaching so much, you know, or they they start to sort of peter out. They get exhausted or tired. And the first thing that I would say is like, don't lose your why. Don't lose your reason of why you fell in love with this practice to begin with. If we're speaking to yoga in specific, unless you're asking more broad for people in business. Uh, whatever comes up. Yeah, a lot of people listening to the podcast are in the wellness or healing world or arts and creativity. So I think even if you're talking about yoga, it will apply to everyone. So if you're listening, just filter it out and apply to your situation. Yeah, it's like insert occupation where I said yoga, but or your practice. So your practice being whatever it is that you do that fills your cup, you know, the things that, that create that light of inspiration within you, that fire. The second thing I would say is to focus, create a a deep level of single pointed focus, like scattered attention gets scattered results. And that's the one thing that even now, 10 years later, when I'm seeing that I'm, I'm seeing or feeling like I'm stuck, 
I go right, right back to scattered attention gets scattered results. And I start to compartmentalize, like, what am I spending my energy on? Am I on Instagram too much? Am I on the computer? Am I on YouTube too much? Like, what am I doing? Where's my attention and my energy going? And how can I utilize this time to continue to elevate my business, my brand, my practice, the things that are going to continue to elevate me, even if it's something that I do every day, like if you're a blogger, if you're an energy healer, whatever it is, like how much time do you spend on your craft, like bettering yourself? Are you listening to podcasts? Like listening to this podcast is one of those things Like you can utilize this time as you're working on yourself, you're working on your craft, you're getting inspired, you're listening to Ksenia's voice, and she's got incredible advice. And you know, like this type of thing creates that level of single pointed focus, so long as you're actually listening to what's happening right now. And not like you're listening to the podcast, and you're you're making food, and you're watching TV, and you're talking to your friend, like, you know, can you utilize that that single pointed focus to your advantage? And the third thing I would say is just don't give up. Do not give up. If you really believe in what you're doing and what your mission is and what your heart is here to say, then don't don't stop because your mission and your vision is so much bigger than you can even imagine. So you can't even see how big of an impact you will have your craft, your art, your healing, your teaching, your idea, your product will have on millions of people. And you have to remember that, you know, every single person has their own medicine. We all have medicine to give. We all have a gift to give. And everybody's is different, you know. So the one thing that might stop us from feeling that and enduring in that is that, oh, there's a million yoga teachers, or there's a million podcasters, or there's a million Reiki healers, or or whatever that may be for you. Like, But there's nobody like you. You are an individual, you are unique. You're as unique as your fingerprint. There's no other one like it in the world. It is unique to you. And so how could you not have something that is going to be different from everybody else? That was so good. I'm just soaking in. I'm sitting here in sunset light, taking it in. And it's just so simple, but so profound at the same time. And I totally agree with you. I think we often like culturally as humans to spend time looking at what other people are doing on Instagram and then creating stories that, well, if this person did it, then it means that I shouldn't do it because they already you know, took up the space. But the fact is the space is absolutely enormous it's yeah uh, unmeasurable it's limitless it's abundant it's totally abundant you're right you're right there is no one doing that thing in your shoes with your experience with your heart with your soul and it's just such an important thing to remember and keep rewiring our brain the more we create those new pathways you know the other day I saw someone doing something I want to do my first initial reaction was well that person already does it Maybe I'm not meant to do it at all. And then in my meditation, I so clearly realized, no, if this person is doing it on the stage they're doing it, that means that people want it and they're laying the foundation for people to be interested in this kind of work. And this is a sign for me to step into it and actually stop hiding. So there's always two sides of the coin and it's always up to us to choose which one actually empowers our mission 
empowers our heart and also ends up being of service to other people. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Preach, sister. (laughs) Preach. That is so true. So Rosie, what is your medicine? My medicine? Oh, my medicine to take or to give? Give me both. Oh, well, the first one is to get like the medicine I, I get is just being out in nature. Like I'm visualizing exactly where you are in your 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 tiny space. And I'm like, Oh, God, that like, it's he- that sounds like heaven to me, like being out in, in nature and being able to experience the smells and the sounds. And to me, just nature is medicine, because nature takes its time to flourish. And it very gracefully takes its time to go back into the earth. And I think that we can learn so much just by observing nature and its ebbs and flows and how it can teach us so much about how we live our life. How do you incorporate that living in a city? Rosie, by the way, where are you based? I'm in LA. You're in LA. So I'm sure that anywhere you live, and for all of you guys listening, there are pockets of nature you can connect to. So I'm curious, in your daily life, how do you do that? Oh, right. Like I'm in a concrete jungle. Okay. I lived in Portland, Oregon for four years and that was like the best four years of my life. But to me, it's just being outdoors. I mean, there's a tree, hopefully you're somewhere where there's like even a tree or, you know, sand or like, you know, the desert. like, I love the desert. I've toured across the United States for a year. Like, so I've seen all the different types of landscapes. And to me, just being outside, like just being able to be outside and just smell like life wind air against your skin the earth under your feet the sky above you like it's just it's so magical and healing like how often do we go outside and just rejoice in the grace that is like the planet you know to me that always brings or going to the ocean you know or just going somewhere outside that allows you to connect even if you have a little patch of dirt like take your shoes off and go connect with your feet onto the dirt like it is something so incredibly healing because what it does is it takes us out of our minds and into our bodies and puts us into the present moment. And it's only in the present moment that we can experience happiness, joy, love, abundance, all of those feelings that we want to feel in the future, right? Because we're future planners. We're like, oh, I'm listening to this podcast because I want to create this or I want to build this brand, or I want to be on the cover of a magazine, or I want to be on the, you know, sell my product, like, whatever it may be, we're always future thinking. That's just the nature of the mind, right? The mind wants to be anywhere but in the present moment. And so when we go outside, and we're in nature, it, it really allows us to stop and take in what is happening, it demands your attention. You just made me appreciate where I am so much more. So thank you for painting that picture. And, you know, we're talking about the sensory experience and the mind experience of nature and appreciating it. But at the same time, on a scientific level, there's all this new research showing how just, like you said, putting your feet on the ground actually changes the neurons in your brain and your whole body chemistry, increases your metabolism. You know, this is disclaimer. This is not word to word, the research results. Yeah, this is, it's just absolutely magnificent what we can get just by spending a little more time in nature. And there's these Japanese doctors who did a study where they looked at people who would commute to work regularly by car or walking through the city. And then other people would 
commute to work by walking through a forest. And they found a measurable difference in the health of those who walked through the forest every single morning. So that's why we hear so much about forest bathing and returning back to nature and leaving the city for, you know, even if not full time, from time to time. So I love everything you're saying so much. And I also noticed that briefly in there, you threw in the fact that you toured across the whole country. Are you also a singer? It's something I don't know, a secret talent? Oh, can you imagine? I wish. I wish I was that talent. I wish I had a talent like that. In 2017, the majority of 2017, I spent on the road. I did a like a 10-month yoga tour with Yoga Journal magazine. We did, I think, 38 cities in 38 weeks. We started in, in New York, and we went into the Midwest, down south, back to the East Coast, and then back along the Southern States, all the way to the West Coast, and up the West Coast, and then back inland, Idaho, Utah, Arizona, and then we ended in Denver, Colorado. Okay, I don't know much about the business of being a yoga teacher, but this sounds like any yoga teacher's dream. Oh, it was amazing. For those of you that are interested, I think they might be doing it this next year. It's called the Live Be Yoga Tour. And they always choose two people to do it. You know, I was the second year that they did it back in 2017. Yeah, it's an experience of a lifetime. Like it truly was like, I would never think about it. When you get a vacation, the last thing you're going to do is be like, oh, I'm going to go to like, I don't know, in the middle of Mississippi somewhere, or I'm going to go to Osceola in Georgia or (laughs) whatever. Like most of the time you will be going to, you know, like Hawaii or Mexico or somewhere in Europe, you know, it's rarely when you're, you live in the U.S. do you choose to go to somewhere in the U.S. So I was really grateful for that experience. I it had always been a dream of mine to tour the U.S. And I just never saw how it would happen unless I would do like a book tour or do something of that nature. So why do you think you were chosen for this opportunity? Honestly, I'm not sure. Maybe it was the fact that I I had a different perspective and my perspective on what I wanted to find. The whole premise of the Live Be Yoga Tour was to expose how different cities connected to yoga and to showcase yogis of all different backgrounds, ethnicities and, you know, cultures, like to see how yoga was being practiced across the states. And to me, being somebody, a yogi of color, I I just feel like my perspective was going to be different. You know, I just felt like I offered a, a different type of a vision, you know, through my experience. So I don't know, maybe that's why. That's a good question. You know, it's a really good question. Because it's like, well, how did you why do you get chosen for this? Or, you know, I did a podcast called How I Got on the Cover of Yoga Journal. Because when I was on the cover last year, a lot of people were asking, you know, like, how, how did you do that? Like, how did this happen? And I really broke it down um, on that podcast. I was like, this is how I think I got on the cover of this magazine. So if you're curious, you should listen to that. So it's, it's a good one. I, that's so generous of you, because I can only imagine how many people DM'd you asking you and you could have like created a course or digital ebook or whatever it is and sell it to people, but you just gave it away. Yeah, I'm about that life. I think it's important to strategize and create sustainable sources of revenue 100%, you know, but there's just certain things that I feel like should be commonplace for people, 
you know? And I feel like that's like, we all do it. You do it. I do it. We have these platforms where we share and we interview people of all types of different backgrounds and experts on their niche or what they're experts on. And I feel like there's so much free information out there that because there's certain people that can't afford to do certain things, you know, I think that for some there's, it's important to be able to invest in yourself and And it's important for people to see that as an investment in their own self-growth and process where you invest money on a course. It's an investment in yourself because you're elevating and you're learning and you're, you're sustaining the ecosystem of all of us entrepreneurs. I think it's important, you know, but yeah, I think some information like that is like, you just have to feel compelled to give it away. Right. Sometimes you just wake up in the middle of the night as a content creator, podcast host, writer, and you just have this burning desire to share something. And by following those intuitive hits is how we strengthen our relationship to the divine. I mean, you, yeah. And you've done that. I mean, I've, I've gotten so many little like sparks of insight and inspiration just by the way that you talk about conscious social media or being able to be honest and authentic when you have a post. Like I know when you post whatever you post, it's coming from a place of that burning desire to have to actually, you have something to say and something to share with the world. And I I really appreciate that, you know? Yes. Okay. I want to get back to social media and revenue streams in a moment, but I just want you to allow me to finish painting that picture. Did you have your own tour bus with your face on the side? Oh my God. Oh, we're going back to the tour. No, I didn't. You know what? But the first year that did it, they did. They had a big sprinter van with, yeah, like yogis on the side. It's, oh no, you know what? We had a trailer. We had like, we were driving a Ford, what is it called? Like a Ford Fusion. And we had a trailer attached to us with like stickers and like Live Yoga logo signage all over. And yeah. And, and we took that thing and we gave, so like we did events at all these different studios where we got to meet yogis and we, you know, like I, we would practice yoga and we would do these videos like there, you know what I should do? I should repost them on my feed yes. because there's, for some reason, I think maybe like the new tour is coming up or people are applying for the new tour. So, so I should, because we would record videos every week, every city we did, we posted it's like having your own reality TV show. Yeah, kind of. Bizarre. It's kind of bizarre. Yeah. Oh, I like these questions. You're good. Thanks. It's so trippy. Okay. So at what point with everything that you have been doing in life, did social media enter your life? Do you remember that moment? I fought it so hard. Even like back in the day with MySpace, like somebody had created my own, my MySpace, like one of my friends. And I deleted it. I was like, I don't want to be on this. Even Facebook. I didn't start my own Facebook page. One of my friends did it. And I fought it for so long because I just, I'm, I was a really private person. And I just, there were certain things that I just didn't, I wanted to be in control of what I shared, even though we still are in a sense, but I think just everything's changed so much. But I would say I really got into it back in 20, when I moved to Portland, because I felt so disconnected. So it was back in 2013 that I think I started to really get into it and, you know, started posting content, which wasn't content. It was just like you had like five different filters that you could use on Instagram and like that was it, you know. 
and I didn't even, and I don't even know back then you couldn't write any copy. It was just the pictures. I think you're right. You know what I mean? It was just like the little hearts. Like you could just like the pictures. So innocent. Yeah, so innocent. And now it's like turned into this whole like marketing stratosphere. Speaking of now, tell me what role does social media play in your business and in your self-expression today? It depends. It depends on how I'm feeling. Sometimes I don't have a strategy because I do a lot of my business on newsletter like newsletter, I do blogs, I have a, a website. And, and I find that most of my connection comes from being in your inbox. Social media it depends what I'm doing. If I'm compelled to create or to write something, then I'll do it. I love Instagram stories. So I'm always posting on that because I like I'm a storyteller. And I love to tell a story. But the Instagram feed is it's like I'm I'm not friends with her sometimes. She she bothers me occasionally because I'm a very aesthetic conscious person and sometimes like I just yeah, I get too hypercritical in all honesty, you know? I get very like is this right? I don't know. I don't how does this look? Does this is this saying I'm too serious? I'm not serious enough. I love posting memes. I love posting a good meme. Like that just makes me laugh just because it's funny and I think that for me, social media is something that shouldn't be taken so seriously. Anytime I take it lightly, I always have more fun with it. And damn, do you have good memes? <laughs> Thank you. I spent a lot of time on those. It's worth it. It's definitely paying back. I'm one of the people saving each one of them. Oh my goodness. Thank you. So somewhere in there, you mentioned this paradigm of strategy and flow. So there's some parts of your business that you strategize. There's some parts that you flow in and you're more intuitive in. Overall, what is your personal sort of balance between the two in how you run your business, your online presence, and your life? The biggest source of income for me is doing retreats and workshops and teacher trainings. And so for that, with regard to strategy for me is mostly being able to get in front of people that can can see what I have to offer, but also feel ready to transform. You know, like these people, most of the people that I get to come to my events are, are on their transformative journey or are in the beginning stages of it, which is like my, my target. Like that's, those are my people, you know, because that's what I'm experienced in doing. The rest, the online strategizing, I am, I just am launching a brand new course online and it's my first ever course next month. I've done classes online and it's like going back to what you said, most of the stuff that I've done, I've done it for free and it's just out in the ether for people to consume podcasts or videos that I've done with yoga journal. Everything is free. Like that was part of my prerequisite is to be able to just create content for anybody to be able to do it. So as far as marketing that I, I might have to, you know, do a coaching call with you so that you can help me with like, how to strategize that because I I'm not it's not been something that I've really focused on. And I can't wait to hear this, this recording in a year to see what I've done, you know, because I'm just like everybody else. I'm just right along there with all of the people listening with you, like, just trying to build something. I think with the, the bigger picture stuff, like I'm my book is almost finished. So that's something that I've spent a lot of time doing. So by 2020 of next year, there will be a book 
launch. And I'm sure once that happens, there will be more online offerings. But I feel like for now, like I said, I'm I'm kind of that slow burn type of person, you know, I really like to take my time. And, and as much as looking online and looking at Instagram makes me feel a little bit like, oh, I should be doing this or how come I'm not doing this yet or whatever. Like, I've really not allowed that to get in the way of what feels best for me and what feels like it's most in alignment and most substantial those things are fleeting. You know, I see people do launch after launch after launch after launch. And I'm like, wow, that's like exhausting. Like I would exhaust me to how like to me, that's not sustainable. Like, honestly, I just I just don't see that being a sustainable model. And if people have like that kind of that kind of tenacity and and exuberance to be able to continue to do that, that's awesome. Like maybe I need to take lessons, you know, but for me, it's for me, I, I, I'm more methodical. And I've always been more methodical. And to me, that's why I've been able to build a sustainable career, you know, that I could see every year, I continue to create more of a bigger community and continue to like add more offerings and do more retreats and continue to grow my financial stream, you know, so I'm like, okay, I must be doing something right if every year I continue to grow and grow and grow without having to do the like, hard every two weeks, let's do this and let's do that. Let's do And it's just like, you know, maybe again, maybe somebody that's listening to this might say I might be doing something wrong. But for me, it feels amazing. I've been able to buy a house like I bought a house. I'm able to travel where I want to go. I'm able to financially support my family. Like I'm able to do the things that I want to do. Where when I first started teaching yoga, I remember looking into my account at one point and having $2.11, you know? So, so yeah, like I like my way of doing things. It works for me, but I'm always open. It's such a powerful reminder to everyone that there isn't one way to run a business, make money, do launches. And the most important thing is to honor what feels exciting, what feels right, what feels expansive and joyful for you. And I really love that you shared, Rosie, how you do business, because I'm sure that's going to give a lot of comfort to others. And I think it's also important to know and remember to sometimes push ourselves outside of the comfort zone. And I'm not speaking about you, Rosie. I just know from you know teaching my online program that sometimes that can be used as an excuse to not do something uncomfortable and expanding. So I think it, you're the only person anyone listening, you're the only person who knows your balance between the two being stuck in what's comfortable and expanding. And Rosie, you 100% own the way it is for you. And there's just so it's super aligned. So thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I realized we didn't close the loop of medicine. I feel like I've already been picking up on your medicine big time. But I thought this would be a good way to wrap up our conversation to go back to the question of what is the medicine that you give to the world? That is so deep. Thank you for bringing us back here. I think that's so attentive of you and it speaks to your level of awareness and attention. So thank you. I feel like for me, being able to provide deep level of connection to people has always been something that I felt was my gift. And I was just funny. I was talking to Tori about this the other day, like, that's, that's my why I've done it in all of my jobs and careers and things that I've done. Like, I always thrive in being able to see, hear and feel 
what other people are feeling or saying or wanting. And I think that's one of my superpowers to be able to see people for who and what they really are and be able to facilitate a deep level of connection and love and support. You know, that that's why I created Radically Loved. Like Radically Loved is the idea that we are radically loved and supported by God, universe, source, whatever higher power of your of your understanding. So I, I feel like that's my medicine. Mm, I feel connected and radically loved. And <laughs> you are. I'm so grateful for this conversation, for you sharing the medicine. And I'm also going to plant the seeds right now for manifestation of us coming together in person, whether that's for an event of sorts or just a one-on-one cup of matcha. Anything. Mm, I would love that. I want to manifest that with you. So that means two manifesting humans. That means equals. It's going to happen. Let's do it. We already proved that we can manifest internet breaking on both ends at once. Oh my God, don't say it. Don't even say the I word. Amazing. Rosie, so what is the best way for everyone to connect with you both on the internet, social media level, and on the super deep in-person level as well? Well, I'm on Instagram pretty often. Like I said, Instagram stories is is my like fun communication forum. So you can just follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Rosie Acosta. And or if you're interested in the happenings that I have happening, you can go to radicallylove.com and sign up for the newsletter. Because like I said earlier, that's the, the most deep level of conversation that I have with my people is through my newsletter. So uh, if you sign up for it, I always give an update on just the happenings of life and any events that I have coming up. I think the next event that I have coming up is I'm doing a wellness retreat in Bali in January. Yeah. So if, you, if you're curious, if you're interested, yeah, you can check all that stuff out on my website or you can DM me on Instagram and I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have. And I'm going to include all the show notes in on WokenWired.com. And if you guys want to go and listen to Rosie interview me about all things conscious social media, please go and listen to that episode. And I also want to just reiterate, I didn't mean that the internet a world implies that it can be a super deep connection. I think it really can. It's really up to us to choose. So if you want to know more about that, Rosie's podcast, Radically Loved, Conscious Social Media Conversation is where it's at. Yeah, you did that. It's such a great, I've received so much good feedback from that. So yeah, I would definitely link that up so people could listen. It was great. Awesome. I'm going to go catch the last rays of sun. Rosie, thank you so much for making me appreciate everything in my life more than I did before the call, uh, including the broken internet. And I will see you soon in person somewhere. Thank you so much. You're the best. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes and share it with a friend who you think could benefit from the message. Find all the show notes and all the resources on WokenWired.com and also join the WokenWired podcast listener Facebook group. It's a private group where you can connect with people who are like-minded. 
and say hello on Instagram. Find me at woke and wired. Stay woke, stay wired, and take three deep breaths right now. <laughs>